Hello and welcome to the Sacred Remembering Podcast, the place for modern women who are waking up to the truth of who they are, with me as your host, Sarah Poet. Now, if the word sacred is throwing you a little bit, that's okay. Have you had that moment as a modern woman where you went, wait, I left something of myself back there along the way? Well, if so, then you're already on a path of sacred remembering and you're actually in the right place. We know that modern women are rising, but we don't do it by fighting. We do it by remembering who we are and standing in that truth. And here in this space, we remember together through stories and tools and curiosity. And in doing so, we bring forward the place of women in our modern world. Now let's begin. Hello, listeners. I hope this finds you well. Thank you for tuning in for another weekly episode of the Sacred Remembering Podcast. And this week we have Mary Margaret Skelly, who I'm really excited to introduce to you in just a moment. But first, I think I'd like to talk about something. There's something that's on my mind as I'm sitting down to record this. And honestly, I was just dancing before I was recording this. I was moving my body and the inspiration was coming through and I thought, oh my gosh, it's actually now time to record that. So here's just a little, a little piece. So, you know, we're coming into such an important time, a time in history, but a time in the year we're seeing massive, oh my goodness, massive events like the death of the blessed Ruth Bader Ginsburg, um, the mighty, the mighty. And, you know, we're coming into the election and there's just all this stuff sort of in the world, um, in the, in the 3d, if you will, as we look around, that's getting just crunchy. It's just like crunchy and, um, we can get swept up in that crunchiness or, um, what I believe is happening is that, it calls to each of our souls to go inward. And this is the time of the year where we're turning inward um, as well, going into the dark in the Northern Hemisphere here. And that provides an opportunity for self-reflection and diving deep within the self you know, within um, the depths of the feminine, if you will, those those um, darker, soulful places. And with that invitation can come a lot of emotion. So there's a lot of, um, you know, things up in the field, in the collective, if you will, and then that can really cause some things to arise in us. And that's really all very, very natural. And one thing that I'm seeing all over the place in women is when we start to feel uneasy, here's a question for you. When you start to feel uneasy or unsure or unsure of the next step, or, you know, about what's going to happen, those kinds of things. Do you look outside of yourself for some answers and some validation? Or do you look 
inward to the truth of who you are? And I think this question right now is so important. It's just so important. And I think it's so up and it's feeling so strong in my system right now um, because it's so pertinent how we answer that question moving forward. And, you know, do we trust ourselves? Do we um, believe that we can have the answers in our own knowing, in our sacred nature, right? These are the, um, the times that we have come to remember that. And that certainly doesn't mean that we are all independent all the time, like we don't need anybody or, or that kind of shit. That's not what I'm talking about. You know, this is just a, a trust in the self and really taking the time now to cultivate that trust and turning, turning in um, at this time of the year and at this time in, in history, which is quite, quite pivotal, um, clearly. But the answers and the knowing that you access from within are really what is going to guide your life in the future and this new world in the future. So it's just an incredible time for that. Um, so I just wanted to say that, you know, look, just please look at that. Do I trust myself or do I need to look outside of myself? And then, you know, who are you looking to? Like, who are you looking to? And um, I imagine that it's getting quite stressful if you are looking outside of the self for answers and for the validation that everything's going to be okay, because it doesn't necessarily validate, you know, that, that everything will be okay. When you look, you know, out into the, the 3d as we know it and see it in this moment. So, so honestly go within go within and cultivate the mindfulness and cultivate the still point. Okay. Um, so (laughs) that was just really coming through pretty strongly. Um, I also want to tell you about, um, a a program that I am launching in October. Just, it kind of goes hand in hand with what I was just saying, honestly, it's called structure and flow and it's a time and energy overhaul system. Um, optimization system where we are utilizing masculine structure to allow space for the feminine flow coming into right relationship and union with that masculine and feminine within, which is very, very freeing and powerful. And so we're doing some healing of those archetypes as they play out in our psyche psychology. Um, Meanwhile, focusing on our daily time and energy. Okay. So this is a system that I sort of downloaded during, um, the sacred truth mastermind in the beginning of the year. And I've utilized it myself. It's quite powerful, um, to really clean up, uh, negative energy in your life, excess energy in your life, get really focused on what you do want to create and then actually see it 
you know, come to fruition. We start to manifest when we use this system. So go to sarahpoet.com. It's called Structure and Flow, and there's a page there. Um, also, be sure that you are on my mailing list if you'd like the information as it comes out. It's going to release um, in October of 2020, and it's a three-month planner and workbook system that I'm going to be doing in conjunction with a 12-week coaching program um, for women. And this, you know, just takes us through this last quarter of 2020 into this, you know, season of quiet, of inner reflection and inner alignment, inner alignment. It's kind of all about that right now. Um, So that's coming and I'm really excited to talk to you about that if that is ringing, uh, um, (laughs) ringing some truth bells for you. So thank you for being here. I'm going to introduce our guest today, Mary Margaret Skelly. And um, yeah, thanks for being here. Thanks for sharing the podcast. Thanks for coming back. Um, Okay. Our guest today, Mary Margaret Skelly, is a leadership, business, and creativity advisor and an executive coach who inspires driven, conscious women to gain the clarity and energy to do the work that they are meant to do. You can learn more about her work at Mary Margaret Skelly with a K dot com. Hello, Mary Margaret. Welcome to the Sacred Remembering Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's so wonderful to have you here today. And we're going to talk about women and work and doing work differently, uh, which is a topic that I'm totally passionate about. And I know that you are too. I'm wondering if you can start by talking about something that's really kind of up for you right now, as far as like, what are you passionate about um, with this topic? Oh, where do I start? I know, right? (laughs) I think what I've really been reflecting on recently is uh, our languaging around things and how it can be very limiting. So I do think there's a very real difference between how the masculine and the feminine work. And that, that goes beyond gender. And yet I also, I almost cringe every time I use those two words because it feels dated and it, 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 um, I guess I'm, I'm looking for new language and open to it, but the principles are the same, which is, uh, people who identify as women work very differently and thrive very differently than people who identify primarily with the masculine. And that doesn't mean these things are fixed. These things can change throughout our lives and we can use both sides as tools but I don't think we've even begun to really understand what it means to work like a woman. And there is some unlearning. We don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Many of us got very far in life following a very linear path. We know how to set goals. We know how to achieve. And we don't need to throw all of that away. But there is a lot of unlearning and relearning to do about the way that we work and what's going to support our health and by extension, the health and happiness of everyone we're around. 100%. I'm loving this conversation already. And I hear you with the words feminine and masculine. And I say them all the time. And 
it's part of my soul's purpose on being on earth. And so I'll even say to my partner, like, God, I hate hearing myself say these words, <laughs> but I have to, because yeah. we have to, we, they're tools, right? They're, they're tools. universal principles mm-hmm. and, and they've been, they're loaded words, but that makes the principles no less true. Right. Right. And one of the things that I've been looking at just in, in that topic of the use of the words is our associations with it. So I think there's just so much education and conversation building to do around what do these words mean to us. I think one of the reasons we're sick of the words is because they're so loaded. But, yes. um, you know, I'll use them and I'm talking about the like the God aspect of the feminine and the God aspect of the masculine. And then someone's associating with gender and I'm like, shit, I didn't, I didn't think clarify <laughs> what right. I was, you know, right. so it's just, it's really um, tricky. And just like anything else that we try to have conversations about, we definitely need to stay open-minded and ask for clarification and, and just go gently. It's really, um, it's a time of great rebalancing. And so, yeah, we need these tools to, to talk about that rebalancing. It's an argument for more nuanced conversations because, you know, the sound bite, there's no effective real sound bite in this conversation. It does require digging into the nuance around the, the phrasing and what this stuff actually means and the cliches around it. And I'm, I'm hopeful because I think more and more people are, are willing to actually examine these things. Yeah, me as well. Thank you. And as, as a woman who's climbed the career ladder to discover that like, oh gosh, there's more. Um, and I have a feeling you have a similar story. Um, I want to talk about this unlearning. Maybe you can share some of your story about what your habits were and sort of how you woke up to that and, and what you had to relearn. Um, I'm assuming there's a story there. <laughs> there, there always is. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, but it's one that I share only because I think it's so, well, not universal, but common. And mm-hmm. that is, listen, there are aspects of my corporate life that I really enjoyed. I like working hard toward goals. I worked for some really expert business developers. And I've said this before, I mean, what they did was an art, like the kind of diplomacy of like a really, um, you know, a salesperson who has a lot of integrity and who really takes the time to understand his or her clients. I worked for some of these people who were just kind of captains of their industry. And I really, really admired it. I mean, they worked really hard. They were diligent. They were detail-oriented. They were disciplined. It's impressive. Mm-hmm. And the, my only problem was I got too sick to keep doing it. <laughs> so there mm-hmm. was something that was off. I mean, there was part of me that wanted so badly to continue in that realm, but my body was just saying no. And we see that so often with the just kind of epidemic levels of autoimmune and anxiety mm-hmm. and depression and you know, these things are complex. There are real physical reasons behind these things. But there's also, as more and more of us are finding, if you want to call it emotional and spiritual reasons behind these things. And we're very fortunate that our body wakes us up and says, you know, you got to be, you know, flat on your back for the next nine months and reset a bit here. And it's many of us who heal find that it was a real gift and invites us to consider different ways of living and working. And it's uncomfortable because we don't have a lot of role models. We have to take it on trust and faith that we can work in, in a bit of a different way. I mean, 
We're a, almost, we're, a, I'm talking to people in the States here, and I, I'm sure you have a broader audience, but in the States, you know, we've got a very Puritan uh, background, which, you know, again, we're, we're capable of seeing things from multiple angles. There's a lot to be proud of. Uh, Americans work incredibly hard, mm-hmm. um, but I think we're expanding now and seeing that, okay, that can be one aspect of a life well-lived, but there's more. Absolutely. And yeah, the, there's certainly a theme in the interviews that I've been doing, especially lately, where women are looking back at that sickness or that absolute depletion and saying, well, that was my wake up call. That was an aha yes. moment. And then there's an immense amount of gratitude for that. Um, yeah, I kind of got that wake up call and then kept, <laughs> kept going for a little while. <laughs> As most of us do, we need a few wake-up calls. Oh, gosh. Yes, it can be exhausting. Um, Okay, so I like what you're saying because it feels gentle. It feels like, okay, we're, we're in the work environment. And I would say, you know, modern women waking up to the truth of who they are. That's who this podcast is for. So many of us are going to be in a workplace having an awakening, maybe it's, you know, that anxiety or depression or something, and we're in a therapist's office going, something's just not working, or our body is having this adrenal collapse, or, you know, and, and so we're going to find ourselves awakening inside of systems that are outdated. Yeah. And... Yeah. And so I kind of want to spend some time right there. I don't exactly know what the question is, but it's like, okay, for that woman who's waking up right there inside of the system that's outdated, that doesn't necessarily um, honor her feminine intuition or doesn't necessarily, you know, give her enough bathroom breaks in the day, that kind of thing. Like, what would you start telling that woman? Yeah, I, I love this topic because I think this kind of goes to the either or mentality that we have, you know, yeah. you're left or right, or you're, you know, you're masculine or feminine or, or whatever it is. And I think this is where you start to see a real blending because I'm a fan of extreme personal responsibility up until the point at which that doesn't exist anymore. And you realize, oh, wait, I am in a system. So if we can hold these two things in the the, the sort of tension, Mm -hmm. meaning I'm 100% responsible for my life and I'm 100%, you know, part of a system that I can't do much to control. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm only one person. And so these things are, these these are two ideas that are um, paradoxes. And, you know, we, we talk about these systems like they're outside of us or it's us versus them, but every one of us played a part in creating them. Mm. And I think it's very empowering to see yourself as having total autonomy and responsibility up until it's not right. And then, then that's the point at which you're easy on yourself because you're doing all your ca- you can, and you're trying to make major changes in a system that just, it has a lot of energy behind it. It's mm. not like it's the enemy. It's just, it's been upheld for a long time. And mm. so it's going to take a second to change minds and open hearts in that way. And so I think, you know, we, we have a lot of options here, really, because, um, you know, my mentor tells this story, which I know is going to sound a little extreme, but 
she tells the story of, it was a Chinese dissident or, or somebody who was in jail and he was a, a meditator and spiritual practitioner of some kind. And he said, you know, the freest I ever felt was in that Chinese prison because I had freedom of my mind. And I'm not necessarily equating corporate America to, to prison. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am saying that, you know, off, sometimes we don't have, we cannot change our circumstances mm-hmm. or we can't change them quickly, as quickly as we'd like to, but we can be free in our minds. And what does that mean? Well, for example, and listen, growing up, I never thought I'd be talking about, you know, the menstrual cycle in a public forum, but I do this <laughs> out of service. But mm-hmm. for example, we're realizing, I mean, this should have been obvious, but for many reasons, it, it wasn't. We were never taught this, but there are times out of the month where we have more energy and where we don't. Now, we can't necessarily go to our boss and say, listen, I'm on my period, so I can't, you know, I can't show up for work or whatever it is. We can't say that, but, or maybe we can, maybe you, you're in an environment, I, I don't know. But in general, that, that's not an accepted practice, we'll say. But what you can do is go gentle on yourself. You can understand there's a reason why I didn't fully show up on, you know, um, whatever call or or there's a reason I didn't schedule drinks after work on that day because I know, okay, it's a tough day. A bunch of meetings are scheduled for me. I'm going to go home and rest or or whatever. And, you know, listen, we're, we could go down that rabbit hole. I mean, we're fully capable of showing up. We've done it for, you know, eons. We're capable of showing up on any day of the month. So I don't want to make this about a weakness because I think, one of my missions also is to prove that the, the feminine is not weak and mm-hmm. the, the rest can be the most holistically ambitious thing you do. But I am saying that it's immature not to have an understanding of energy and how it works and how you can't always be in the yang. No one can. Right. The most masculine male leader needs yin time, you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the most mature masculine leaders go out in nature, they schedule vacation, you know, all of these kinds mm-hmm. of things. So I think there's a real maturity and strength in having an understanding of the ebbs and flows of energy. I love that. I love talking about it in terms of energy. I, I, I'm really excited. I just um, printed a program that is a time and energy sort of overhaul for women um, based on feminine and masculine, which is all about, it's all about energy and how we use it um, and and how we go after the things. Yeah. So I really appreciate the, the non-duality of of this conversation. Um, I kind of want to go back to that either or decision-making process where, where I know a lot of women find themselves and, I found myself as like, should I stay? Should I go? You know, yeah. I love how you're yeah. talking about um, just having an awareness of the feminine cycle and that energy while you're in work. And I think, I don't know, maybe this is just my own personal projection kind of like onto the collective, but, you know, I didn't know how to be fully me and stay in the educational leadership. Um, and I also think that like, I had a different, I had a different path, but I'm really, really passionate about coaching women who decide to stay because that's not a bad thing. Um, so I think we've had this like, oh, since I don't fit there, I must leap and figure something else out. But that doesn't always like jive with everyone. And we need women in these spaces. 
I really appreciate your perspective on that because I do think some people, maybe they find healing in a yoga class or something. And there's this extreme of, I need to get away from the enemy and go become a yoga teacher or whatever it is. And and listen, that might be what you need. We all have to, we all have to figure that out on our own and we're needed in every corner of society. But I, I am as well a champion of and have great respect for women who stay in these spaces. I think it's critically important. And I do, I think it goes back to we when we sort of have some kind of opening of or expansion into these new ideas, we, we do tend to see the existing system as the enemy. And um, there is that need to just get away or make them wrong. But that's where I go back to examining where we're making ourselves wrong, you know, looking internally first and really making sure you're not beating yourself up for certain things or holding yourself to certain standards or exhausting yourself unnecessarily. That's, that's where things have to start. And then, then everything becomes much more clear and you can have a lot more clarity around where you're needed. And this is a process. It can take a couple of years. And I think people because of our programming, I mean, I was an executive recruiter. And so I looked at resumes all day. And when people didn't have a linear resume, or God forbid, took a couple months off to deal with a personal problem, they, you know, they, they, they were flawed, and they wouldn't be put forward for some of these really senior positions. And so that kind of programming is in us where we realize, okay, this thing isn't serving me. I need to find the next thing and I need to find it immediately or else whatever. My resume is not going to look good or there's just this pressure of having it figured out. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very important. One of the parts of, you know, if we want to cringe and say reclaiming the feminine, but um, say it in, again uh, in service, which is mm-hmm. one of the parts is letting things be messy. Mm-hmm. And realizing that we might not have it figured out today or next year, or there might be a couple of jobs, uh, you know, before we land on the thing. And it's all part of collecting information or collecting training about what we're ultimately supposed to do. And everyone needs different medicine. I mean, you've got job hoppers who, who are, you know, constantly kind of creating the same dynamics wherever they go. And for them, part of the healing is going to be, I'm going to stay loyal. I'm going to dig my heels in and I'm going to, I'm going to figure it out where I am, knowing that I just bring this pattern everywhere I go. But then others of us where it may be entirely appropriate and necessary to go explore a few things and let yourself not be amazing at all of them. You know, let that mm-hmm. thing not be your next career and understand that uh, the exploration and the mess and not necessarily knowing where it's going and maybe not even knowing where you're going to be next quarter or next month. That's all part of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I really love that. And it's really difficult. Again, I'll say from personal experience, when we live in a world that, you know, you're supposed to know your next step, you're supposed to have it kind of figured out. Um, and then you go into something that's maybe a little bit more feminine path. <laughs> you know, I, like yeah. when I, when I left my career, it was like, okay, you know, feminine reclamation, here I come. Um, yeah. And that path was, it had a lot of bumps on the road. And I took those bumps personally, I think, way more than I would now, but you know, I was still in it. And so it was, I guess my (laughs) sort of message right here is like, uh, 
the things existed in the workplace that were mm, edgy for me or hard for me to to take, but they didn't just go away when I left. So I love, you know, that's what you're saying. It's like, it's within, it really is within. And, um, you know, when I, when I left them, they were kind of staring me in the face that I needed to, to clean that stuff up in order to be a business owner. Um, but yeah, it's, it's always there. So how can women access that in that it, you know, it's like a self-empowerment or an autonomy that, okay, this is my stuff. This is like how I'm healing in this moment, whether I'm still in my office day job or, you know, whether I leave that and become an entrepreneur, like how do they access that? Yeah, it's a really good question. And actually wrote an article about this because I think there are a couple different entry points, but it usually comes at a point of pain. It doesn't have to, but because we have been numb, it usually is something huge that wakes us up because the subtler things weren't working. Mm-hmm. So it might be an illness, a breakup, a bankruptcy, whatever it is. For a lot of people, it, it, it starts and it most effectively starts at the physical level. So they clean up their diet and you know, far be it for me to to prescribe what that diet needs to be. It's very personal and, and individual, but and that's where I see it start for a lot of people. Like they become more discerning. They realize everything has been on offer for me and I've been on autopilot, just you know, eating what's been put in front of me, drinking what's been put in front of me. I'm just going to exercise a little discernment. And, you know, it's rarely about the exact food or the exact diet, but it's about the act of discernment. Mm-hmm. And, um, People who I say see make leaps and bounds. They they look at their substance abuse too. They they look at any kind of substance and and really make a clear decision around what's serving them and, and what isn't. And we're learning more and more about how, how all these things speak to each other. Um, Anthony William, the medical medium, was a major healer for me. He talks about this, and I I, I think I, I truly believe science will prove this out. Uh, which is, you know, he says when your liver is burdened and it's spasming, that's when you get angry or that's when you get unbalanced or that's when you fly into a rage or all that, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, anyone who's had a thyroid problem understands or a hormonal imbalance, the physical really affects emotions. And without a kind of clear physical vessel, it's hard to uh, really have clarity around how to move forward. So I see that for a lot of people, a kind of cleaning, cleaning out, clearing out the physical and then from there, it's, um, it's very, it, it, it's important and it's very challenging and it, it, it comes in time and it comes through action and through making a few mistakes. So just expect them, just expect them and it's fine. <laughs> but it, it's really listening to that, to your guts rather than your head. And uh, a lot of times people, I see this all the time. I see this every day in my practice, which is people are trying to figure out what's next And so they intellectualize, like, it has to look like this, or I have this contact so I can make this work. And it's rarely what we think. It's it's always better than we could have come up with in our heads. It's, you know, that random phone call that you get with, you know, an amazing job offer or a friend who wants to collaborate or, you know, somebody who wants you on their podcast. And these are things that when we get the energy right, these things come to us. And a way to get the energy right is to do the things you want to do. 
And this is where the selfish slash selfless conversation comes into play because uh, we've been programmed that it, it's it's indulgent and selfish to do things like, I don't know, pay for a yoga retreat or organic food or um, an improv class. I don't know, whatever's going to bring you alive. And there's good reason for that. I mean, I'm in Los Angeles where you see people like flipping each other off on the way to yoga class. Like there, <laughs> there's good reason to be afraid of the, the indulgence and so, again, this is another paradox where everything can be used in one way or the other. Just because you go to yoga doesn't make you a good person. Mm-hmm. But when you give yourself the gift of investing in the things that you want to do, I'm not saying, you know, ditch your family and move to a commune. I'm saying when we responsibly do the things and allow ourselves to invest in the things we, we want to do, even if it's, you know, uh, blueberries at the store that you don't normally get because they're too expensive. Like these little things, mm-hmm. what it comes down to is pleasure. Exactly. And when we allow ourselves to experience that, this doesn't have to cost money. It can be going on a walk and like really just experiencing the pleasure of seeing a flower. Mm-hmm. These are just pragmatic. Like I, this isn't new age BS. This is pragmatic. If you go down the research rabbit hole and you're very intellectual, you will eventually get here. Mm-hmm. You will eventually realize that this is this is the key to um, a happy life. Because when your energy is right, like I said, the things meant for you, they come to you and they're better than you could have come up with. Even by talking to, you know, a, a career counselor or, mm-hmm. you know, even by coming up with what do I need to do next? It's not going to be as good as what's going to come to you when you let it. Oh, I love this. Okay. So I want to take that in a direction of spending money. So mm-hmm. a lot of women on the path of self-improvement are like, I have to spend a ton of money with this big ass coach in order to, you know, get to where I'm going. Cause if I sign up yeah. for this, then it's going to be my next leap. But I love that you're like, it could be more important to get rid of half your clothes and take a walk (laughs) than it is to like spend the money on the coach, you know, or you and I met through um, Rama business school and then the, the Rama Kundalini community. I want to talk about that in a minute, but you know, I paid like $300 for that Rama business school weekend and got way more out of that than, yeah. you know, than I would have maybe if I had spent $3,000 elsewhere, just like trying to get the thing. So, um, yeah, talk about money expenditure and there are no absolutes. Yeah. This is where it all comes down. This is where, you know, I think at the root of both your and my missions is to get people back in touch with what's right for them. And they're intuitive knowing about that because um, you're right. You're right. You can spend no money. You can watch free video on YouTube and do a three minute meditation every day. And that's actually more what you need in that moment more than working with somebody. Now that said, at the right time. And again, you've you've got to be at the right place for this. And it's usually when you've got a good baseline, but you want to expand Mm -hmm. investing a significant sum of money in the right personal development program or coach, that sends a very powerful signal to the subconscious. It's time to change. I'm investing a lot in this. It hurts a little bit. And that makes you more likely to show up for the thing, to show up for the class, to, you know, to be crass, get your money's worth. (laughs) Like that's what the subconscious is used to. And so it's like, all right, I, I, I see that you mean business and I'm dedicated to this. So there's a time and a place for everything. Absolutely. 
And yeah, I mean, I think you and I probably both charge good money for the work that we provide. And it is that initiation or that, that yes, that creates like a whole system of alchemy um, in, in the person. But I think what I was trying to get at is like, it doesn't always have to be that you're, I guess I'm juxtaposing it with the, um, the talk about pleasure. Like it doesn't always have to be that you have the best coach or that you're enrolled in the best program or that you're, you know, doing what you think you're supposed to do versus like what brings you pleasure and knowing, um, what that, that internal system is saying. And, um, just a few days ago, I, I started to get the internal ping, like, Oh, okay. It's time for the next big coach. <laughs> like yeah. it, is, it is really time. And so I reached out to, to her this morning. So it is, it's both. And, but it's like, it has to be an energetic alignment and you have to exactly. know it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about, um, I'd love to talk about spirituality and work. I know that you're involved in the Kundalini tradition, um, which is a pretty new path to me, but I'm super grateful to be learning from Guru, Guru Jagat um, in her programs because I think her potency is just so high. I don't know if that's the way the way to say it, but it's like, I don't want to learn from anyone else right now. I just, I want to learn from her. Um, yeah, but talk to us about, um, maybe how that impacts your work or how that has impacted the evolution of your work, wherever you want to go with that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really love Kundalini yoga and Guru Jagat's been an important mentor to me because of the practicality of it all, because the message is not transcend this earthly life and go meditate in a cave. The message is get your scene together so you can go out and serve others. Yeah. And we do that. There are four parts to Kundalini yoga, the breath, which gives you more prana, more energy. If we really want to simplify these down, the mantra, which puts a higher front, higher frequency sound current into your brain beyond the sort of subconscious crap that's usually flowing through. Uh, The yoga, getting the physical body moving, the physical body has to be strong enough to handle life and to to handle the meditation, to hold that. And then of course, the meditation, which clears out the subconscious thoughts holding us back. So in my mind and and in my experience, having spent those years (laughs) exploring the next thing, it is the fastest acting method, we'll call it, that I have found to just kind of get your head on straight and <laughs> get physically fit, get your head on straight so that you can be clear around what's my part to play. And well, how do I, you know, as a speck of dust, <laughs> fit into this broader uh, awakening? And um, how, can I, how can I best fulfill my mission? So that's where it's been very powerful to me. It's helped me stay in my own lane and use my strengths to do what I can and in my corner. Mm, I love that. I, I find the same thing. Um, and you've been, you've been at it for a while. Yeah. Yeah, I have, you know, I, I, well, it depends. I've been at it for four years. Uh, and, um, with Kundalini yoga, you get some quick wins. I mean, you really, you really do. I, mm-hmm. I had stopped a, a habit of mine, but I didn't even really know I wanted to stop within mm-hmm. three months of doing that three minute addiction meditation daily. Mm-hmm. 
So it's, it's fast, but then you go, you kind of get deeper and deeper into the layers. And so four years in, there's, there's still a lot that's being revealed and it's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm finding the same thing. I, I had actually like an amazing sort of burst in my business, um, just after doing the Rama business school for the first time. So amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, if folks are interested in that, uh, I'll link that in the show notes, but you also have a show on there, right? I do. It's called work like a human being. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I've, I've taken Rama business school many times has been in the room with, um, with, with Guru Jagat and uh, other senior team teachers kind of soaking all this up and then applying it. And you know, Guru Jagat runs the Rama Institute for Applied Yogic Science. And so Kundalini, like you said, it, it hasn't been around. Um, Yogi Bhajan introduced it to the West in the 60s. And so we're only beginning to explore what is a tradition that has components of it that have been around for thousands and thousands of years. And so the fun for me is how we apply it to modern life, how we apply it to the day to day and what that looks like in real life workplaces. And I've applied it, my clients have applied it. And so this series is kind of an exploration of that. How can we use these principles to feel successful and fulfilled? Mm. Would you mind sharing one or two of those principles? Yeah. Yeah, there are so many, but I think, which two do I, which, which do I want to focus on? A lot of them. I mean, I would say number one is focusing on what matters. I mean, how much time, and and there's less of it now because we're not in person, but just people get really worked up about um, little things at work, like gossip or like we're implementing a new system and we're going to all going to have to learn how to do it. It's going to be so hard. It's like these little things we focus on at work that don't matter or, you know, the HR isn't helping us with this policy. And I'm not saying some of these things really affect our lives, but I think there is, um, just a real focus sometimes on the things at work that don't matter. And I'd actually say in my experience, women were, were more prone to that. And I'm not blaming us. There are be very valid reasons for that. But um, the people who succeed, and I use success to mean just fulfilling whatever your goal is. I mean, there's no universal definition of that in my mind anymore. It's mm-hmm. not about an amount of money or a title or whatever. But the people who I see fulfilling their own goals, they stay very, very focused. Mm-hmm. They don't get passive aggressive. They don't, you know, they, they fix things quickly. They address things quickly. And so that's one principle I would say, which is stay, don't, do not get distracted from what ultimately you're there to do. Mm-hmm. And then the other principle is one of diplomacy. And I think that's one that's really important right now because there's a lot to disagree on. <laughs> there are a lot of strong opinions and they're, they're valid. And, and the yogi can see things from different angles and really sympathize and empathize with all sides. But that is why um, we've, we, it would really serve and be very healing if we were all a bit more diplomatic with each other, meaning I don't agree with that person but I can be kind or, you know, I left this job. I see this a lot. Leaving a job doesn't have to be dramatic. Maybe just because I'm a recruiter, I've seen this over Mm -hmm. and over. You can leave on good terms. Um, uh, You know, there are exceptions to every rule, but you more often than not, you can disagree with a workplace. You can decide it's time to move on. You can go create something better. That's your best. That's your, I'm not, revenge came to mind. That's not quite the right word, but that's, that's the best use of your energy. Yeah. So rather than, um, you know, uh, leaving, you know, while 
I don't know, lighting your desk on fire and, and, <laughs> and burning all those bridges. Mm-hmm. Um, diplomacy is really important and it always will be. And I would actually say I've seen more of that in the corporate world than I have in the yoga community because there's an mm-hmm. understanding of that professionalism, which I think is something that um, should be retained and, and is to be admired. Mm. Thank you for that. Such medicine. Yeah. Absolutely. So I think I have one last question for you. Um, so much wisdom here. You're, you are passionate about women creating a different feeling for themselves in work. Yeah. And you talk about fulfillment and joy and prosperity being like, we're allowed to have that as the norm. Yes. So yeah, I just kind of want to open that up for you to talk about women feeling different in their work, yeah. which I think we've talked, we've touched on, well, you don't have to totally change your life. It, you know, it's an inside job, but um, I'd love to hear you talk about joy and fulfillment and those, those really yummy yeah. things. <laughs> Definitely. It's unrealistic to believe that we're going to have a 60 year career that is completely enjoyable throughout, completely easy, always prosperous, always the exact thing that makes us come alive. So let's throw that fantasy out the window. But what I want to share is that you don't have to be stagnant. You don't have to have a 60-year career characterized by regret, by overwork, by uh, narrowing the range of what you offer to the world by not using your gifts. What we can have is flow, and there's real value in contrast. And you might be in having what I call a study in contrast, meaning for whatever reason, you're, you're in a role right now, you're in a job, you're at a company that um, it, it, it's not your highest fulfillment, but you're learning things. You may be learning how not to lead. You may be learning how you would do things differently when you start your own company. You may have one really great manager, and that's the whole reason you're there, to get the, that transmission from that person. And so stay, stay curious would be my advice. And rather than always having to jump ship, stay curious. The question that's going to be most fulfilling always is, what am I meant to learn from this? Hmm. And there's a very curious thing that happens, which is when we stay open to that question, we tend to, as my mentor calls it, graduate, meaning we don't have to scramble and apply to 200 jobs and just try to get the hell out of there. Very soon, once we pick up and are open to what we're meant to learn, the next thing tends to come along. Mm-hmm. And if we can, if we cannot stay stagnant around the thing or just um, kind of acquire a lot of negative energy toward a thing, if we can just stay open and let the thing flow, like, huh, all right. I thought this would be a great job and it's actually not bringing me alive. Interesting to know this is teaching me about what's important to me or or so on. Then the things just start to shift in a positive direction. And so throughout the times that we feel like we're, you know, working on our highest destiny and then the times when we're not, it's, it's just staying open to all of it and realizing that rather than living for a resume or linear career path, we're here to have an experience is not meant to all be love and light and enjoyment and fulfillment. Sometimes we're here to just experience the contrast and that's all okay, but you don't have to stay stuck in anything. And by the way, once you you know, find your highest destiny, we'll call it, in a couple of years, that'll change and you'll want more then. We're always growing. We're always evolving and all of it's okay. But 
I would just hope that more and more of us can have a more expansive experience and not feel stuck. Mm. Such beautiful medicine. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. I would love for you to share with our listeners where they can find you on the web. I love your website. It's just, it's so clean and inviting and Thank you. Uh, yeah, it feels very good to be there. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm at marymargaretskelly.com. And I'm also on Instagram at marymargaretskelly. And you can see, uh, I did try to lay it out very clearly. So thank you, Sarah. But you can see all the ways to work with me on one page, ranging from executive coaching uh, down to, uh, I do have a quarterly a group advisory program called quarterly report. And so whatever you know, fits your particular needs and, and maybe now or maybe down the road, but, uh, but yeah, that's where you can find me. Wonderful. Well, thank you for taking the time to be here today. This is a beautiful interview. I know that women will gain a lot from it. Thank you. It was my pleasure, Sarah. And thank you for your work. And thank you for this opportunity. Mm-hmm. This is Sarah Poet of Embodied Breath, and thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I'm curious, what was your biggest takeaway? Remember that you are not alone on the sacred path, and women are rising now together. You can visit my website, sarahpoet.com, for more tools and inspiration to support your sacred remembering path. Please be sure to check the show notes, subscribe to this podcast, share with a friend, and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. I love to hear from you. Stay connected, and here's to your path of sacred remembering.